2: The heart has reasons that reason knows not of. Blaise Pascal said that, and it's so appropriate for today because I was rushing to get here in time to do this show after a little vet emergency with my dog, Forbes. And when I was in the vet office at quarter to the hour thinking I have a radio show to do, I just really had to trust that following the heart is never the wrong thing to do, and that those sort of subtle energies from the universe seem to come in and make everything right. So happy to report the dog is being treated. He'll be fine. I'm here for this fabulous, jam-packed, full of food, wonderful episode of Main Street Vegan, and I am so happy to be speaking with you today to be wishing you a delightful summer. We finally passed that Summer solstice. A happy Pride week. So glad to know that Mercy for Animals and NY Class, that's the organization that's working to get those poor horses pulling carriages off the streets into wonderful sanctuaries where they belong, are both going to be marching in the Pride parade this weekend. And I also want to wish you a happy National Pizza Day. That is happening on Saturday, June 28th. And in honor of that, we are bringing on a pizza guy. After a while here, we're also going to have a superb dietitian. All of that is coming up in the entree sessions of the program. But first, we have an absolutely fabulous appetizer. And this is someone whose website and whose work have influenced me, have helped me out as a traveler more times than I could count for many, many years, and that is Eric Brent of Happy Cow, happycow.net. If you don't know Happy Cow, this is your lucky day. Happycow.net will help you eat wherever you are on this planet. Fabulous restaurants, vegan, vegetarian, veg-friendly, natural food stores, bodegas, wherever it is that you can get vegan food, Happy Cow is your guide to that. Eric is a 25-plus year vegan who's traveled to over 50 countries, 50, oh my goodness, and founded HappyCow.net back in 1999. He currently resides in Santa Monica, California, where he continues to run Happy Cow, now reaching over a million people monthly, helping them to find vegan food in 160 companies, countries. But the reason that he's with us today is that I've been saying .net. Oh my goodness! Forgive me! Forgive me! HappyCow.com is not alone in the world as only a website. There is now, this very month hot off the presses, the Happy Cow Cookbook, the website that helps millions of people find vegetarian dining, has collaborated with Glenn Mercer of Food Over Medicine, Mad Cowboy, and Unprocessed, to create the Happy Cow Cookbook with recipes from many, many of these exquisite restaurants around North America and Europe. Welcome, Eric.
3: Thank you so much, Victoria, and hi, everyone.
2: Well, thank you for all you do. I, I had some times in Asia and other places where without Happy Cow, I would have learned how to fast in a foreign land. So tell us a little bit about Happy Cow and what inspired you to start it.
3: Well, you really did a great job in that intro. Thank you. Um. I started the site uh, about uh, like 14 plus years ago, and basically I wanted to create a service uh, for people to be able to find vegan, vegetarian, veg-friendly restaurants anywhere in the world. I had been traveling a lot myself. Um, I traveled, as you mentioned, uh, pretty much most of 15 years after graduating from college to over 160 different, I'm sorry, to over 50 different countries. And uh, it always was difficult to find food while I was, while I was traveling. So uh, when the Internet came about, I wanted to uh, take that opportunity to share this kind of info with people from all over the world.
2: Well, you've done a brilliant job of it. I think that of all the websites that vegans and vegetarians are familiar with, I'll bet Happy Cow is the number one. You can't say "happy cow" without somebody telling you about it. this time I was in Cleveland. so what about the book? How did that come about? It's gorgeous, wonderful book.:
3: So the book is uh, a way to really celebrate all the vegan restaurants that have come about over the years. The, the whole vegan scene has changed since I first became a vegan, and nowadays, the standard of vegan food and restaurants is really high and i thought that the book would be a great way to celebrate that so what we've done is taken uh, some of the top rated vegan restaurants from the website and that's member rated so it's based on what our users have rated so in in some cities uh, it may not meet other city standards but it's the best that's available in that city so we tried to also incorporate um Having having cities from all over the world, not just some of the major cities where the vegan restaurants are flourishing, but other places where it's sometimes hard to find a place to eat. And, yeah, so the book is composed of uh, 45 different restaurants from all over, and it allows people to recreate some of these recipes from, uh, you know, these top gourmet restaurants and some of the world's top vegan chefs.
2: Are some of these places that you visited when you were traveling to all those countries?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't always have money when I was traveling, but uh, I did try to make it to vegan restaurants whenever I could. And yeah, I've been to maybe half of the restaurants in the book. There's still a lot I'd love to go to. And, you know, one of the things about having the recipe book is it allows you to try some recipes at home and get a little glimpse of it. It's it's a lot of the recipes are difficult in a regular kitchen because it is restaurant food. And I I think that's the reason we go to restaurants sometimes to experience something a little better than we might be able to make at home.
2: Well, there are some people who find that really challenging. Um, One of my lovely friends, she's actually co-hosted the show a couple of times, Diane Wentz. She's veggiegirl.com. And she just loves the challenge. When a cookbook like yours is in her hands, she's just seeing possibility. Now, I tend to be a little bit more intimidated, but I don't know. The further I go on as a vegan, the more I want to say, just hand it over. Let Mm -hmm. me know if if that chef can use a mandolin, so can I. Right.
3: Yeah, and it's also I wanted to add, it's not just the recipes, it's interviews as well and the photos and and just having a sense of what the food consists of, whether you're going to actually cook it yourself or not. And the interviews are with uh, the owners or with the chefs really let you have a glimpse of how they started their business and, and many interesting facts about their business that you may never find out, especially for those who've ever considered having a restaurant. It's a great read to get into their stories.
2: Oh, that's terrific. You know, my copy arrived when we were doing the last Main Street Vegan Academy, and I just wasn't sure if I was going to end up with that book. I could not get it out of people's hands because a lot of the people who come are very, very interested in food, and some of them are working in food or, or want to work in food. So uh, your, your book was very, very popular in that crowd. So tell us about one of your favorite restaurants that's in the book and the food that they serve.
3: There's so many of them, and uh, it's really hard to just choose one. And I, I think that of you know all the restaurants, uh, I can't really say that one's my favorite because I would I would be happy to eat at any of them. Um, I'm actually going to go to a celebration tonight at Sun Cafe, and Sun Cafe is a is a mostly raw food restaurant here in L.A. And they've moved into a bigger space; they've been doing well. And I really like them. I'm looking forward to that tonight. Another place I visited uh, recently last summer, I was in the Netherlands and a new restaurant opened. It's really amazing. It's called Veggies on Fire. I definitely suggest you try it out if you're in the Hague. It's uh, the Hague Netherlands and the people, just beautiful people running the place and you can feel the spirit of the people and the food. It's, everything's presented really beautiful. And it's a small, pretty small, intimate space, but it's, It's got a very warm feeling, very spiritual essence to it.
2: Oh, that sounds lovely because I just adore the Netherlands. My husband was living there for his work a few years ago, and I'd go over to visit, and and when I was plotting to see how we could make ourselves Dutch. It just seemed like the coolest country, except that I had some trouble. They seem to like to put a lot of, of cream and cheese in Scary. things yeah. where you wouldn't even expect it. So to know about that restaurant in the city that has my favorite art museum,
3: yeah, that's and definitely all, all All of the restaurants in the book are vegan, completely vegan. So even if they offer... Even if a restaurant were to have like cream for coffee or something that was dairy from a cow, uh, we wouldn't list it as vegan. So I we're very see. careful about that distinguish distinguishing thing. Oh, that's
2: wonderful. Well, our our time is so short, and sometimes people say, well, why do you bring people on just for the appetizer? It's because the show is booked out months and months in advance, and when a fabulous new book or project or something comes up, I want to get it on now instead of waiting for four months from now. So that's why we're just talking quickly. The website, happycow.com. The cookbook, happycowcookbook.com. And just quickly, Eric, while you're still here, how is the world changing regarding veganism?
3: There's there's really so much happening right now that it's unbelievable. I think a lot of cities around the world have reached a tipping point, especially cities uh, like Berlin and Germany and some of the places here in the States, like even Los Angeles or Portland, Seattle, uh, some of the big cities where you can find vegan food. You can basically walk into any mainstream restaurant and find uh, that the waiters there will know what you mean when you say vegan and it's just possible to get food anywhere so um the additionally additionally i say like chains like native foods veggie Grown, loving Hut have been popping up all over the place i think they're gonna reach uh into the many hundreds in the next couple of years so all across the united states and the world and i uh, i'd say that um the celebrities are doing a great job so there's been people in the media that have and uh, publicizing, I don't remember that back in the days when I was younger, and so just that and the, and the sheer number of places being added to Happy Cow, it's clear that you know the trend of veganism is accelerating, and the number of vegans, vegan restaurants that we have listed all around the world has exploded in just the last couple
2: years. well that is a wonderful explosion and you are in large part responsible for it so thank you so much fabulous website happycow.com, fabulous brand new glorious book a happy cow cookbook check that out at the happy cow cookbook.com know the just happy cow and stay with us we have more fabulous stuff coming up right after this
1: Are you saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday? Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegans. So happy to have you with us. I just wanted to tell you before I introduce our next guest, that I had the coolest thing to wake up to this morning, not just my lovely, handsome husband William, but I went online and learned that a lovely blogger had included me in her vegan rock stars series. Now, it's just not every day you wake up and get called a rock star. That is pretty cool. So the blog is Little Green. Kettle. Just go to LittleGreenKettle.com, and if you happen to be listening live on June 25, 2014, uh, it'll be the first thing that you see. If you're listening later, you can just do Little Green Kettle and Victoria Moran or whatever, but it's really a beautiful, in-depth piece. This woman understands my work and what I'm trying to do in the world. She put some video on there. And all kinds of things. So thank you so very much, Little Green Kettle, for this and for all you do in the world. And now I do want to move on to our next guest, who is Mark Sutton. Now, we've talked for a while and wanted to get this set up, but we decided to wait until it was almost National Pizza Day because Mark Sutton, among many, many other things, is the author of the very first vegan pizza cookbook, Heart Healthy Pizza, over 100 plant-based recipes for the healthiest pizza in the world. Now, if you think that's cool, listen to the rest of this guy's resume. He's an organic farmer. He was on two NASA Earth satellite missions. He's worked with Howard Lyman, the mad cowboy. Remember he got sued with Oprah when she said she wouldn't eat a hamburger? He has worked at the White House. No, not just somebody's like White House that, that one in Washington. And he's worked for two Nobel Peace Prize winners on global climate change. Vegetarian for 20 years, vegan for 13, and a very generous guy. If you happen to be listening live and want to give us a call at 888-558-6489, he'll give away a book or two. So call with your pizza questions. Mark, welcome to the program.
4: I'm so happy to be here. You are a delight in doing some great, great, great work.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, so many people are doing great work. I think we met last year at the AR conference in DC Animal Rights 2013. That's going to be happening before long in Los Angeles. Want to alert people to Farm Animal Rights Movement and their wonderful annual conference. So, Mark, heart healthy pizza. Where did that come from?
4: Well, I um, I I went to work uh, in, in, in on a uh, a small farm in Pennsylvania, and I had some time on my hands, and I got tired of the vegetarian wine and the vegan wine about, I miss pizza. And I decided to take on one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people adopting a purely plant-based diet. And that was pizza. We all miss pizza. At least most of us do. And uh, seven years ago, when I started the project, the uh, the cheeses, fake cheeses then were not very good. Now they're good, but they're very high in fat. and, And they're very expensive, and I wanted a nutritious alternative. So I spent five and a half years researching, experimenting, testing. And out of the 120 recipes in my book, 60 of them are heart-healthy cheese-like sauces that can be used in other ways, uh, not just pizza.
2: Ooh, yum. So this is what's unique about the recipes?
4: Well, it's unique in that they're made with whole grains, vegetables, millet, barley, Uh, a a wide variety of ingredients that are all whole foods. Uh, There's no oil, no salt, no sugar. And unlike conventional cheeses that melt on pizzas, what mine do is they firm up on top of the pizza in the oven.
2: That's brilliant.
4: So I just reverse the process. And they take anywhere from 10 minutes to 45 minutes, depending upon what recipe you use. That my go-to for the busy professional is basically oats uh, uh, white navy beans, uh, horseradish, our or, or, or garlic chili sauce, and uh, maybe cornstarch or ground flax seeds and water. And you can make that in 10 minutes, pour it on top of a prepared pizza, shove it in the oven, and 20 minutes later have a pizza.
2: Wow. So that's the cheese sauce. And mm-hmm. then I guess so you do tomato sauce and the classic kind of thing and then I've veggies several, on top?
4: I've got several different kind of sauces, white sauces, green sauces, red sauces, Indian um, I cover quite a gamut.
2: So when I was reading your, your incredible resume, you've had a fantastic and fascinating life. I don't see anywhere chef or restaurant owner. Did you just come up with this pizza idea because there was a need to fill?
4: Well, I actually, I worked in a couple pizza parlors in college. And when I was younger, my, of my first jobs out of high school, I graduated early was in a, actually at a pizza parlor uh, and uh, fascinated by, by making pizza and, I wanted to also demystify making pizza. It's not that difficult. And there are so many prepared crust and dough you can get these days. It's just not that difficult.
2: Yeah. So what about the gluten-free people? Do you have something to offer them?
4: Yeah, half of the crust recipes are gluten-free. And uh, I wanted to do more, but I was getting towards the point where the book just had to get out. It was very <laughs> difficult to finish. I mean, I never tried to self-publish a book before and do all the layouts myself and uh, manage a team of testers. It was uh, a labor of love, though, but it was one of the hardest things I've ever taken on. Uh, the NASA salad missions were a lot easier than writing this book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, tell us about your interview with Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn.
4: Yeah, that was you
2: said uh, that, that changed cool. your recipes and your life.
4: It totally did. I, I edit the Mad Cowboy newsletter, which has five thousand. It's a free e-newsletter, one of the very first. Has 5,000 plus subscribers and howard lyman aka the mad cowboy asked me to interview caldwell about his new book uh, uh, prevent and reverse heart disease my father had his first heart event around that time in fact he had open heart surgery two months ago ironically enough and i devoured the book and hit him i told him i would hit him very hard with questions because i wanted to see if i could find a flaw in his his views on diet and I couldn't. And he said, "Well, if you give up added oil in about twelve to fifteen weeks, you will lose, you will recalibrate your taste buds and lose your taste for fat, your desire for fat." And the first couple of months, first couple of weeks were really tough. My pasta, garlic, basil, red wine, you know. But I gave it up, and I've been oil-free now for I think it's eight years. And so I realized I couldn't release recipes. I was getting close to having them done that had oil in them. And maintain my personal integrity. So I redid all the recipes that had oil in them to be no, no added oil. So uh, Essie's endorsed the book. So has Neil Barnard, who called The Breakthrough, because these are really, truly heart-healthy pizzas.
2: That's very exciting. And as I come from an Italian background and heart disease in the family, the idea of heart-healthy pizza appeals to me a lot. You know, this oil thing is so interesting in our movement. I would love to get Dr. Esselstyn on the show, and I already know one of the questions that I want to ask, and that is, if, heaven forbid, you were ever held hostage— and and forced to, to choose between eating a salad with an olive oil dressing or a big old wad of cotton candy, which is 100% sugar, which would you pick? Because it seems that so many of the voices from outside the plant-based movement, so many of, of the doctors that we see going on, well, the doctors and Dr. Oz and, and in the popular press, and, and now with this new documentary, Fed Up, it's all about sugar and then we're talking a lot about oil. Do you have any thoughts on that?
4: Well, I, I would give them a third option, something that's really salty. So you get S-O- <laughs> okay, sugar, oil, and salt, okay, <laughs> which which is what a lot of us try to avoid because they're all addictive. And I think the oil question is, Se believes not even a drop because it inflames uh, the blood vessels. It affects the endothelium, has all other kinds of Uh, negative effects. My general take on it is I don't consider oil real food. It takes 40 olives to make roughly a tablespoon of olive oil, and you've got no fiber. You've got none of the nutrients that are squeezed out of the highly processed oil. So I I raise the question, is oil food? And I have yet to see an oil spigot or an oil uh, pond or an oil pool anywhere. (laughs) But that, well, and, i mean that's me i i don 't fault people for using oil. I, I just decided that 's the way that I intend to go and and i I do encourage it by my book
2: well, when we think about the sugar thing, when you describe how oil is made that's could just be fill in sugar cane and sugar beets and and how much it takes to get sugar. So that's the whole refinement process. And the other thing that's interesting on the SOS thing, and I don't do the SOS uh, fully or consistently, so I need to really be very clear about that. Oh, so once somebody, a year, I have
4: French fries. Once a year, I have French fries.
2: <laughs> well, uh, you know, I have French fries once a year just because it's about once a year that I'm stuck somewhere and there is absolutely yeah. nothing else uh, but, it, but it is once a year. And if that situation happens twice in a year, then I just don't eat. Oh, I think
4: the next day physically, believe me.
2: I oh, mean, totally, totally. Well, the fat seems to be what connects the sugar and the salt. Because so many people will say, I'm addicted to sugar, but they're not eating cough drops or, or Tic Tacs. You know, they're having cookies and and ice cream and the same with salt. It's all potato chips and French fries and things where you get fat and salt or fat and sugar together, which seems to be the recipe for an addiction.
4: Well, according to the guy, the the journalist who wrote, a man who wrote the book, what, sugar, fat, and something like that. Yeah,
2: yeah, sugar, salt, Uh, and fat. the,
4: The perfect delivery device is, get this, a potato chip. And people go, well, what about the sugar? I said, that's what the chip breaks down to. So you got salt you got fat and you got sugar and that's why people love to eat fried chips.
2: Yeah. Bet you can't but eat just one.
4: It's all there <laughs> and then you've got that crunch factor which is, I think is also part of the part of the allure.
2: It is true but you know we got the crunch factor going on too. You can't do better crunchy wise than fresh vegetables and some of the fruits. So tell us, Mark, what exactly did you do for Howard Lyman? He's such an amazing fellow. He's going to be speaking at Vegetarian Summerfest early in July, 30th anniversary, for that wonderful event.
4: Well, he's a very close friend after all this time. He hired me as a special projects guy, and I developed, designed, and produced his DVDs, uh, did his website, which has been languished because it was really a second-generation effort, uh, did research for him on many of his lectures and talks and helped him with the second book. And uh, I've, I've helped uh, do videos on him, on him as well. He's uh, been a major influence on my life. He he truly changed my life uh, in a way that I, I, it's just hard to fathom. He's such, such a high bar in, in terms of integrity and, and walking your talk. He does. He's just amazing. I hope people get to see him and, Certainly, uh, there'll be a video somewhere on the web of his talk in Pennsylvania because he's in semi-retirement right now. So the fact that he's even come out to do this surprised surprised me. I I didn't think he would. I I, I talk to him about once every week or two.
2: That's lovely. Well, I'm going to be seeing him, and I feel really grateful for that. And anybody that can't see him in person at uh, North American Vegetarian Society Summerfest can certainly read the books. uh, Mad Cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> Howard Lyman, for those of you who don't know, was a rancher in Wyoming, Longtime family rancher, went back in the ancestry, and then he had an incredible experience. I'd call it a spiritual experience oh, in no, a hospital no, bed no, no, when no. he saw what that kind of agriculture was doing to this planet.
4: Well, he's also very much an animal rights advocate. He, he tells people in his lectures, I've killed more animals than all of you together. And he regrets it to this day. And so he decided to atone, uh, which is a very interesting word spiritually. He wanted to atone for his actions. And so wow. he's, he's hardcore animal rights.
2: And, and he's certainly done the atonement and done it extremely well. He's so, also,
4: oh, By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt you. He's go also, ahead. He's, he's also no added oil. Really? Yeah. He brought me a copy of Goldhammer's book after doing some fasting at True North and I devoured the book, and then you know I realized he was doing this before I was.
2: Uh-huh. Aha!
4: And, and he looks great now. He looks great. The picture on on the on the website at the, at the uh, Summerfest uh, is oh, at least fifteen years old.
2: Well, it's amazing that some people say, "But it's too late." You know, come on. I mean, I don't know Howard's exact age, but I know he's not a young man. And and so often people will say, "Well, if I'd done this twenty years." Ago, but I mean, here's Howard, and you're saying he's looking so great and everything. This is a rejuvenative way to live, however you slice it.
4: He's, so, as, vital, he's as vital, intelligent, uh, and just impressive, filled with energy as you can possibly imagine.
2: Oh, uh, and one of the best speakers ever.
4: Oh, boy, he, he's he, he's 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 like an elemental force on stage.
2: He is. He is indeed. And you mentioned Alan Goldhammer. And for anybody listening who doesn't know who that is, Alan Goldhammer is the co-author of The Pleasure Trap, which is why we get so addicted to some of these addictive foods. And he's also the director of True North Health Center in Santa Rosa, California, which may be the only place left in this country where you can go for medically supervised fasting uh, to heal or rejuvenate.
4: That's going to change, and when I release my interview of Dr. Goldhammer in a couple of weeks, you'll find out how.
2: Okay. Well, I, I hope that means that there are going to be more, because there used to be a lot. I mean, uh, when I was young, cert- I went to certified, several them. Of-
4: yeah, it's fantastic. I, I was oh. just it, was a, so it was just a interview. Pleasure Trap is a difficult but exciting read. Difficult, and it made me squirm. You know, because they they pull no punches. But it's it. I read it twice. Uh, Lyle and Goldhammer wrote, it, and it is it is a a must read.
2: It, it, really- it is indeed. And heart healthy pizza is another must read and must cook from. Uh, you can also go to hearthealthypizza.com, dot com learn more about Mark's work. Now, is it hearthealthypizza.com dot com? Will you'll have this interview with Dr. Goldhammer, or is that somewhere uh, uh, else?
4: It'll be Mad Cowboy Newsletter, but I'll certainly put it out on, on, on social media, and I, I can reference it on Heart Healthy. By the okay. way, I, I want put, to put a plug in for your next guest, Jill. Uh, she is fantastic. She helped me learn how to self-market my book, and uh, she included one of my recipes in the book that she'll be talking about. She is one of the, the hardest-working uh, plant-based authors out there, and uh, I can't wait to actually hear her voice for the first time.
2: Yeah, she's fantastic. That's going to be uh, Jill Nessa now, the veggie queen, coming up in a bit. So finally, Mark, gosh, the show is going so fast today. What changes have you seen in, in your 30 years and then some in acceptance of, of a vegan dietary lifestyle?
4: I think there are two main things. One is the Internet has enabled people to communicate at an incredible rate, exchange recipes, see videos of animal, animals being abused, factory farming, learn about the environmental impact of meat, uh, commiserate with each other, inspire each other, and help each other go plant-based. And the second thing is our computer mod- models and compute power has gotten so great that I'm seeing studies of 10, 20, 50,000 people. So again and again, I keep seeing more and more studies come out saying plant-based, you gotta go plant-based. And, and the numbers of people being studied are, are just amazing compared to what it used to be. Uh, the train, as Howard would put it, the train has left the station. <laughs> we're not back. We, were, we are moving towards a predominantly plant-based society. And uh, you're watching it happen right now. It's very exciting.
2: It is exciting. And thank you so much for being part of it. Mark Sutton, Heart Healthy Pizza. The website is hearthealthypizza.com. Heart Thanks so much. And Mark, if you want to stay on and and listen to Jill, we'd love to have you.
4: I'd love to listen to her. And Victoria, you are marvelous. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with you.
2: Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for being with us today. We've got more good stuff coming with the Veggie Queen, author of Nutrition Champs. Want to be one of those? Stay with us.
0: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to Main Street Vegan and I want to waste not a second in bringing on Jill Nussanow. Jill is the veggie queen. You can find her at theveggiequeen.com. She is a registered dietitian. She has a master's degree in dietetics, but she is also a food philosopher, a fabulous recipe creator, a pressure cooking expert, and her very latest book is Nutrition Champs. C-H-A-M-P-S, and that stands for something. Hey, Jill, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you for having me, Victoria. It's a pleasure to chat with you.
2: It always is a pleasure to chat with you. What does C-H-A-M-P-S stand for?
5: Well, it is six groups of plant-based ingredients, which are cruciferous vegetables, herbs and spices, alliums, mushrooms, pulses, or peas, beans, and lentils, and seeds and nuts.
2: And what makes these various foods important?
5: They are all literally nutrition powerhouse foods that really can give you what you need if you're following a vegan or plant based diet.
2: Wonderful. So, you believe that getting people to think about what they put in their mouths is important in a whole lot of ways besides just nutrition, even though that's your field of study, your field of endeavor. What's the point? Why is food such a big deal?
5: Well, we all have to eat. That's, I think, the big deal. And it connects us much more than, you know, in the same way maybe, not much more, but, in, but we must have nourishment in order to exist. Some people love, you know, their spiritual side. They love to listen to music. They love to create. But food is essential. And so I think it's really important. This is how I got into nutrition. I was a teenager, and I had learned zero about nutrition. And I thought, huh, that's kind of odd. I eat every day. How come I don't know anything? And I thought, well, maybe I should learn something. Um, And at that time, I hadn't learned that much. But I think that's the whole thing is we all need to eat so for me, it's like a, it's a fundamental need, and it also gives us the opportunity to do many other things in the world, like support local farmers and really take care of ourselves, which I think is a underlying issue in society these days.
2: Well, we were talking the other day, and your passion for local farmers, it just really came through. And you actually convinced me of a lot of things, because I was sitting over here thinking... That farmer's market is way expensive. And you convinced me that there's expense and then there's expense. Tell us why we should do the local thing.
5: Well, if you have it available and you support your local economy, it comes back to you. I love to hand money to a farmer. Like I went to the farmer's market this morning, and I feel very privileged to be able to go and spend $5 for a box of blueberries, a little pint of blueberries, but I love blueberries. So I gave the woman my $5 for my organic blueberries, and I was eating them on the way home. I ate about half of them. I had said to her while I was there, I may have to buy another box. But, um, you know, and I was thinking... Wow, you know, I don't drink Starbucks coffee or any other coffee. I don't have lattes every day, and honestly, if I could get those blueberries every day, I'd probably spend my $5 there, and I'd rather give it to the farmer than to some corporation that potentially would be supporting a habit which isn't one I want. Um, So there's a lot of joy in that for me. They work really, really hard, and I want them to be able to continue to – them to – to be able to continue what they do. Since I my saying is, without farmers, we don't have
2: food, and we
5: all need food.
2: So important. This is Jill Nussanow. Her website is theveggiequeen.com, and that's veggie with two Gs. That makes all kinds of sense. The latest book is Nutrition Champs the Veggie Queen's Guide to Eating and Cooking for Optimum Health, Happiness, Energy, and Vitality. And she did get a little help from her friends on this book, and there are recipes from people that you guys know, like Mark Sutton, with whom we just spoke, and yours truly. I contributed a recipe or two, and I think you've got Ellen Jaffe-Jones in there, maybe Frank Hostigan.
5: Oh, yes. I have recipes from 44 other people. Which sounded great when I started to do it, and I could not have done it without help from my friends. Um, at the same time, when I started going through the book, I was like, "Oh, I mean, it was a lot to digest for me." I think it'll be great for people who are reading it because there's such a breadth of recipes—from raw to cooked, pressure cooked—you know, breakfast, dessert everything in there and in a number of different styles. So I think that people will get everything they want because there's 200 recipes in it. So if you can't find, this is my criteria for a cookbook, if you can't find 10 recipes that you love in that book, then it's not the book for you.
2: Oh, well, I've already found more than that. So Nutrition Champs, book for me. So why, Jill, is it easier to win people over by being a role model than by beating them over the head with dogma?
5: Well, I think, you know, people, people comment to me. Um, I, I've had friends who didn't even know why I was vegetarian or vegan. And they'd been friends, and we'd go out hiking, and one day my friend said to me, why? And I and I thought, well, that's not really that important. But what people say often to me is, "Wow, you have a lot of energy," and so on. And I think people, when they see what you're doing, rather than me telling them what I'm doing, it works better. Um, of course, if people ask my opinion, I certainly have one or two or more, but. I think people need to think, and they need to come to their own conclusions, and especially when it comes to nutrition. I, and maybe this is just me, you know, the Aries me, who's like, if you tell me that I can't do something, I'm going to say why, and I'm going to want to do that thing because it's contrary. So... Um, I don't like being told what to do, and therefore, I don't really tell people what to do. I kind of want to, like, hold their hand and guide them along and give them bits of wisdom. But for me, dogma doesn't work. So I think, you know, and I only do this because I know what works for me. And there are people who really love, like, do this and do that, and you must do it this way. And I think we're I'm working on um, my talk for Summerfest about the gut and probiotics, and it turns out that bacterially in our bodies we're all different. And I think in our just being we're all different. So I want people to kind of figure out what really works for them in a way by doing it. And we are so lucky we get to eat at least three times a day so we get to see.
2: Now, when you say probiotics, are you talking just about the capsules that you can get at the health food store, or are you talking about making soy yogurt and having fermented foods?
5: I am talking about having fermented foods. I I will be talking about the capsules you can get in the store, but I truly believe that getting probiotics from probiotic-type foods like miso or sauerkraut or kimchi or truly fermented pickles or wonderful soy yogurt that you can make yourself um, is a much better way to go than getting it from capsules. So I highly recommend that people buy it and use it. My favorite, Miso, i give them a plug because I just love this company, is South River Miso in Massachusetts. They do not ship in the summer because they want to keep the integrity of their product. But um, I use foods like that. And then the coolest thing about these probiotics is there's a the flip side, which is called prebiotics. And the prebiotics are the foods with fiber that you eat that help fuel your body to produce its own product, probiotics. So having good fiber foods in your gut helps with that whole process.
2: That's fascinating. So with miso, I've only really used it in miso soup, but my understanding is if you heat a probiotic, you lose it. Is that true?
5: That is true. So I have, um, like, I make some dressings with uh, miso in them. I make, like, an orange ginger dressing that has a mellow white miso in it. Um, I make a sauce with um, maybe any kind of miso that you like with um, ginger, not ginger, excuse me, with garlic, lemon juice, and water. That is absolutely delicious. Um, the South River miso, mellow white miso, is so good that I can put it on crackers or toast with a little nut butter, which I only came to that nut butter miso thing because a student of mine, I teach at Santa Rosa Junior College, he uh, made some miso and gave me a little jar of it and I was like so impressed because it takes a year to make. And I brought it home and I thought, oh, this is so salty. What can I mix with this so that it won't be so overpowering? And I mixed in some almond butter and it was heaven i was like wow i mean it's the thing about fermented foods just so you know many of them is they have a flavor that you don't get in a lot of vegan foods which is called umami which is that fifth flavor And when you taste miso or even smell it, it has that fermentedness that's like wine and it adds a lot of depth to what you eat. So that's part of the reason from the culinary standpoint that I love miso um, and other fermented foods because it broadens your vegan choices.
2: Well, it sounds yummy just listening to you. Now, I do want to get back to the soy yogurt because I have to say I have been in a kind of mourning for over a year since the whole soy company had a fire in their factory and they made unsweetened soy yogurt. And I just really don't want the soy or the almond or the coconut yogurt that's got sugar in it. But you say that until I can buy it in the store or maybe I won't even need to buy it in the store that I can make it myself really easily. Can you tell us how to do that?
5: I can, and I'd like to say that I was responsible for this, and I'd like to say that I wish that I had known about it a year ago because I would have been making soy yogurt. Um, Part of what got me interested in this is the Instant Pot, which is this electric pressure cooker, and it has a yogurt function. And all that is, that yogurt function, is you can use your pot to incubate your yogurt for between 8 and 12 hours. So what you do is you take a box of unsweetened soy milk, that is just plain soy milk, soybeans and water, organic because you don't want to get GMOs, and you mix in a packet of... um, Vegan yogurt starter, which you can get from cultures for health and various other places, or I heard, but i haven't yet tried it you can mix in a pro a vegan probiotic capsule or two into your yogur into your soy milk, you shake it up, you get an incubation chamber, which could be your oven with a pilot light, um, the Instant Pot works great, it could be a cooler with hot jars in it, it can be a um, heating pad with a towel on top, but the the best incubation, incubation temperature is between 100 and 110 and not higher than 110 because your previous statement about heating the probiotics does mean you, you get rid of those probiotic qualities. So in order to incubate, you need between 8 and 12 hours, your yogurt will turn into yogurt. Um, it is by far the best uh, unsweetened yogurt I have had, and I've had a number of them. Um, this past week, I tried to make cashew yogurt, which was a big, big, big fail. Um, it never set up, but I did discover something you can do with the unset up cashew liquid. Um, I mixed it yesterday with some sriracha, and I made a, um, un, un, uh, it was a sauce, and I put it on things, and it was delicious. So I think you can use even the stuff that isn't set up as, um, in, in a probiotic way that's tasty, but I, of course, really want the yogurt.
2: Yeah, I so. do, too. I'm so excited. I, I really I, want to make that. And Victoria, I just, when
5: I pulled it out, I was... I, I mean, I'm still excited. I can't believe it. it and a, co- a quart of um, unsweetened soy yogurt cost me just over $3.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's terrific. Now, Jill, we're talking about your latest book, Nutrition Champs, which is just amazing. Dr. Mary Clifton went wrote your foreword. And you've got just, what, over 200 recipes. It's a wonderful, wonderful book, really, really healthy and delicious. But you also just brought out another book not that long ago, and that is The New Fast Food, The Veggie Queen Pressure Cooks Book. So I have never pressure cooked in my life, but I know this instant pot that you talked about, that's a pressure cooker. And I know that there's a deal if you put in Veggie Queen, you'll get a $50 discount and free shipping on an Instant Pot. So just exactly. tell us quickly, me, why should,
5: hmm? It's a V-E-G-Q-U-E-E-N. Oh,
2: Veg so Queen. No veggie, Veg Queen. Not veg Queen. Okay. Oh my goodness, life is so complex. It's kind of I like know. all these passwords we have to remember. <laughs> so your site is theveggiequeen.com, but if you want $50 off on an instant pot, that is vegqueen is your little uh, discount code. Okay, so tell me why, as a vegan, I should pressure cook stuff.
5: Well, I would never tell you you should. I would present (laughs) it as a most viable option for cooking Food fast. So, most um, people who want to eat beans say they don't cook their own beans because they take so long. And the pressure cooker throws that excuse out the window. If you soak your beans overnight or from the morning till the night and drain them, let's say, pinto black kidney. Um, navy beans, if you do that and drain them and put them in the pressure cooker, any pressure cooker, the instant pot, the stovetop cooker, and put in a half to three-quarters of a cup of water and a piece of kombu, which is seaweed, Into and you don't have to use the kombu, and you put that on for six minutes at pressure, you will have beans in less than 20 minutes cooked, all the way cooked say, less than 30 minutes, um, depending on the beans. But really they take about six to eight minutes at pressure, which means that you have to get the pressure up and you have to wait for the pressure to drop. And part of the reason I love pressure cooking, besides getting great food fast, is it's ecologically sound. You're using far less energy than you would in any other way. Um, So the the bean excuse goes out the window and the beans are so delicious and there's no salt in there and a lot of canned beans tend to get gooky and I don't like gook and so I love making a big pot of beans. I'll take them, I'll stick them in the freezer and so I always have beans around when I need them or want them. Um, You can cook whole grains in half the time so brown rice takes 22 minutes at pressure. Um, You can cook vegetables extremely quickly, like broccoli takes a minute or two at pressure, and it is most delicious. Um, Soups, stews, chili, curries, you name it, and if it has liquid, you can cook it in the pressure cooker. Um, Because of the way the pressure cooker works, it actually locks in the nutrition. You will see bright colors. You will see beautiful textures. Um, The flavors are amazing. Anything you add to the pot, like I love cumin, if you add cumin to your beans, the beans get infused with that flavor or garlic or whatever onion, whatever you add.
2: So um, it changed my life. Yeah, it it sounds like it. Well, you're you're very convincing. yeah, I mean it, it used um, to the beans be can-
5: cost. Well, let me just say the beans cost about a third to a quarter um, when you cook them yourself. Organic canned beans versus buying a can.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell that. Are you going to do a pressure cooking class at Summerfest?
5: Well, I'm not doing. I'm not doing a class on pressure cooking, and I am not doing a cooking demo. I did that last year, but potentially. Um, Not this year, but in a year or two, I'm working on my fourth cookbook uh, for a publisher, and it is another pressure cooking book. So I will have all brand, well, not all brand new, only 75% brand new recipes that I'm working on right now um, for the pressure cooker. So, you know, I'm just going to continue because it's really the way that I cook and the way that I manage to um, do more than many people do and still eat well.
2: And I love it that you are a registered dietitian and you're also a food person. We have one minute left. And you are fond of saying, as an RD, that eating well can be done without knowing all the nutrition. Give us a minute on that.
5: Well, I think that if people look at their food globally instead of looking at each individual nutrient and you just remember to basically eat the champs foods every day and make sure you have plenty of vegetables and um, I don't talk much about fruit in the book but you can kind of look globally and say hey did I get enough food? Did I get enough vegetables? Did I have a little source of um, I hate to say the word fat maybe some nuts or seeds or olives unless you have heart disease but you don't have to be a dietitian to know whether you've eaten good food and I think the main thing is you have to cut out the processed foods and that is the key but beans every day, green every day, um, you know, mushrooms are beyond nutritious, um, if I can say that. And so I think that n- knowing the nutrition doesn't help you eat well. It's choosing the right foods or the Beautiful.
2: Best oh, Jill Nessa now, The Veggie Queen. Thank you so much. The book is Nutrition Champs. Her website is theveggiequeen.com. We also spoke with Mark Sutton, hearthealthypizza.com and with Eric Brent of that fabulous and amazing travel site, happycow.com and wonderful new book, The Happy Cow Cookbook. I'm just a happy person with all these great people in my life and on this wonderful program. Thanks to Unity Online Radio. Thanks to our engineer, Jeff Comfort. And we are looking forward to seeing you right here coming up the next time we get together. In the meantime, God bless you and eat your veggies.
0: Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the Quest for Prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation.
1: This meditative moment is brought to you by
3: Unity.